us at this time, and uh, turn with me your Bibles to the book of Revelation. We're continuing our study here in the book of Revelation. We've been here for a while. Revelation chapter 11, uh, verse 15. And uh, uh, heaven's standard of joy versus the world's angry fight. And heaven really is the standard where you find joy and peace because God is here. When people think about departing from this life, they don't think of going to heaven with great anger. They think of a place of peace, no sorrow, your body is well, no, you know, no sickness, no sadness. And uh, we dealt with this last week with the elders and the angels that would worship the Lord. Really, when you think of the word worship, to express an attitude, a definition, uh, one source gives, uh, uh, Bauer, Denker, Art, and Gingrich, it's lexicon, it It says, to express an attitude or gesture one's complete dependence on or submission to a high authority figure. To fall down and worship, do obeisance to, prostrate oneself before, do reverence to, welcome respectfully. And another source, another lexicon in the New Testament, from a basic sense, to bow down and kiss someone's feet, the garment hem or the ground in front of him. The New Testament of worship or veneration of a divine or supposedly divine object expressed con- uh, concretely with falling face down in front of someone, worship, venerate, do obeisance to. And you find that in Matthew chapter, ten, uh, chapter 2, when you think about the wise men in the story of the Christ child, they fell down and they worshiped him. Here's these very wealthy men. Uh, they're bringing very expensive gifts, traveled from a very far away land, and they fall down and they worship the Christ child. The 24 elders in Scripture, multitudes of times in Revelation, fall down and worship God. I mean, they would get off their places of royalty to worship the Lamb of God as he would be elevated to greater prominence. Today, we're going to observe what happens to those who have a different master other than God. And how they respond when Jesus Christ is appropriately elevated before the world. You see, the response of those who will have a worship other than God, to God, a worship other than God, and they have their own God, it's going to be anger. Anger is a driving fact in our society, and I will talk much about this, but one of the illustrations on this, the mainstream news media would have us believe that they are just reporting on the anger that's out there. But they're actually, in some many instances, creating and fomenting anger. The main reason? Anger allows these news sources to survive. Digital revenue from advertising subscriptions is now a significant and growing part. This one, uh, Daniel Lattier, he says, the media needs to keep you angry. Don't feed into it. And uh, he goes, he's now a significant growing part of a news organization. Current digital revenues account for about $400 million. Now, this is uh, 2019 based on. Digital revenue accounts for about $400 million, or 25% of the New York Times yearly profit. And its goal is to double that number by 2020. The Washington Post also claims that its digital ad revenues is now a nine-figure business. News media digital revenue depends upon keeping people clicking on their stories. And anger is a proven motivator for generating clicks. Uh, their revenues depends upon keeping people uh, clicking and angers, and, and, and it's been dubbed the rage profiteering. Uh, the other thing, anger is a passion, and this other source talks about, anger is a passion that one falls into when his or her desires are frustrated. You don't get what you're expecting. Such, for instance, the desire for a certain candidate to be elected 
When the anger abates, as it temporarily must, the individual then slips into despondency or depression. And the fact is, unless our authority is Christ and our submission is to Christ as our ultimate authority, we will be disappointed. We will be disgruntled and have an angry existence. So I want to ask, I want to think about this. What you do with Christ will determine our, your response and ultimately your destiny if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Hosea chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. He's talking to Israel here, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men, like and, and, and the multitude of thy mighty men, which is like the Antichrist. And we're going to talk a little bit about him today, but let God be the joy of your heart, not the cares of this world. And if we have all of our affections upon this world, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be frustrated. We're going to be irritated. And we will not be in a, in a proper heart of worship towards the Lord. So with those thoughts, let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing and uh, help at this time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you uh, for being our great and wonderful Savior. Lord, I yield today to thee. Father, I thank you for dying on that cross and, Lord, securing for us an eternal home in heaven for all who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And Father, today, as I preach your word, Lord, I pray that if there's any, uh, as I preach it, Lord, I pray that it would be clear and concise and accurate, and Lord, that there would be no uh, misunderstandings Father, I also pray that you'd work in our hearts. Lord, how easy we can get absorbed in this life. And Lord, we can get drawn to the very things that bring our hearts away from you who are our life, our peace, our joy. And Father, today I pray that we would return, if we're away, to the proper heart of worship, Lord, to understand and to give you the praises and the adoration and the thanks that you so rightfully deserve. So God, you take over. We'll love you and you thank you for being our gracious Savior. In your name I pray, amen. I spoke about, just in review real quick, I spoke about last week the coordination of peace, that God is a God of order and peace. He makes all things new, as he will do at the end of time. The chorus of the elders in Revelation chapter 13. Let's read verses 15 through 19. I realize I did not read that. So in Revelation chapter 13, would you follow along with me? Verses 15 uh, through 19. And he had power uh, to give, well, not 13, 11. I'm sorry. I don't know why I have 13 in there. Chapter 11. I'm, <laughs> let's try this again. All right. Uh, verse 15 of Revelation 11. I wrote, I don't know what, anyways. Revelation eleven fifteen and the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord, and of its Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces and worshiped God. And we spoke about that last week, and the importance, and uh, you, know, you find that when Jesus Christ is elevated, it ought to bring us an absolute uh, appreciation uh, and, a, and a contrition or a breaking, a humbling of our hearts to realize how wonderful Jesus is. And then verse 17, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. 
and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there were seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. The character of the world, in verse 18, and the nations were angry. And I want to talk about that very idea this morning. Now, in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 through 4, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, speaking to Israel, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. So here is a nation. The nations were angry, and you find in the preceding uh, judgments of God. You have the seven seal judgments, and then the seventh seal judgment opens up seven trumpet judgments, and then after the seventh trumpet judgment opens up seven vile judgments, the last judgments of the Lord in the tribulation period. And in a portion of this, we read in this very idea, the people, they would not repent. They would not humble themselves before God. And I mentioned last week, what you do with Jesus Christ, there's two ways you can go. There's two ways. The, the elders and, the, and those in heaven, they realize the, uh, the glorification and the magnification of Jesus Christ in all his glory, and they fall down and worship him. The nations get angry. Now, this idea of anger, I want to just take a little uh, side trap on this, side trip. And look at just anger. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's the famous verse, Be ye angry and sin not. See, anger's okay. So many would say. Right? I can be angry. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Now I want to give a little explanation here. And uh, one commentary by Barnes. He says, To a great extent, the sudden excitement on the reception of an injury is involuntary and consequently in innocent anger is excited maybe when a horse kicks us when a serpent hisses when we dash our foot against the stone and you're like ah oh, that hurt and you're kind of like ah right? oh i slam my hand in the door right or something you know <laughs> the object or final cause of implanting this passion in the mind of man is to rouse him to an immediate defense of himself when attacked and before his reason would have time to suggest the proper means of defense it prompts at once the self-protection, this Barnes says, Albert Barnes, and when that is done, its proper offices ceases. If persevered in, if anger is persevered in, becomes sinful malignity or revenge, and it's always wrong. Anger may be excited against a, a person or a thing. We are suddenly excited by a wrong thing without any revenge, seeking of revenge against the man. We may wish to rebuke or chide that without injuring him. Anger is sinful in the following circumstances. Number one, I'm just giving you some ideas on this anger, but the world's anger is, is wrong. It's in rebellion to God, and, and I'll get there. And I'm just kind of trying to deal with anger and the topic of it as we delve into what is transpiring in our world today. When, number one, a reason for anger is sinful is when it is excited without any sufficient cause, when we are in no danger and don't need it for protection. 
When, number two, when it transcends the cause, if any cause really exists, all that is beyond the necessity of immediate self-protection. Number three, when it is against the person rather than the offense. The object is not to ner- uh, injure another, it is to protect ourselves. Number four, it, when it is attended with the desire of revenge. You know, in Romans 12, 17, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Road rage. Let me think about this. Someone cut you off on the road. <gasps> ah! Don't hit me! You know, and, and I know it's especially heightened, like when my wife had her daughter, and, and you know, you have a young baby in the back, and you're heightened emotions, heightened sensitivity. Well, then you have the immediate, ah, that person! And then you let it go. But the anger becomes sinful, and now I go to Facebook and I post their, their driver's li- their license plate, and I just blast them all over. I'm trying to kill, you know, just desecrate this person. You know, sometimes, as I remember sometimes as a young driver, I might have made a mistake, and you look out, and on some of the vehicles, I used to have a Dodge Ram, and uh, I used to, I'm glad I don't anymore, but anyways, it had those side beams, and... Uh, but uh, it had those side beams, and they were a little bit wider, and sometimes it was hard to see around. Well, I remember one time I had this, I, 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 I pulled out, I looked both ways, I pulled out. Well, there was a little car, was just flying, and it came faster than what I, and anyways, this car was so mad, it kept following me, and I'm like, ah, oh, this guy wants to beat me up, you know, and so I drove over to the police station, and he didn't want to follow me there, but anyways, uh, you know, there's, that guy sought for more than just, he, he cut me off. And the Bible tells, you know, in, in Romans 12, 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will pay, saith the Lord. What this is telling us is that justice is up to God. The phrase, give place unto wrath, clearly implies leaving that up to God. Deuteronomy 32, 25. And Romans 12, 19 is a reference back to Deuteronomy 32, 35. Uh, number five reason for sinful anger is when it is cherished and heightened by reflection. Let me give you an illustration on that. That person cut me off, and I see him in the store, and I've been thinking about how mad I am that they cut me off, and now I'm going to give him a big old heave-ho, sock him right in the face. Okay, you've been reflecting, you've been thinking about, I'm going to get even with that person. They made me uncomfortable, so I'm going to get even. An unforgiving spirit, last of all. When that immediate danger is over and our, height, our emotions are heightened, we're not seeking to destroy the person. And a loss of temper, malice, unrighteous communication. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, as it's talking about the anger and giving place to the devil. And then verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. How often is it in anger that maybe we say something we shouldn't? Right? This anger... Ah. Anger drives many to a denigration or an undermining of the significance of another person. Matthew 5, when you say, you know, whosoever shall say, thou fool. And his Lord was wroth, and, and the dragon was wroth with the woman. This is Israel. And it, but the fact is, the God you follow, if, if it's all about me, and the, the nations are angry because I'm getting to this very thing. They have a different God. It's their pleasures. It's about me. It's about my life. It's all about me. You know, in Jesus Christ, in Mark chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus got angry. 
we know the, the famous one, right, in the temple. He overturned the, the money changers' tables. Well, I'm justified in my anger. Mark 3, 5, when we had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. Jesus was grieved at the, the religious people's hard hearts as he healed a man on the Sabbath because they wanted to accuse him. So he was, he was angry at the condition of their hearts. He understood where it was. Their hearts were not on a worship of God. Their hearts were on an exaltation of self. Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 13, where he overturns the money changers' tables, he says, my it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. They're taking what should be worship for God and making it the worship of money and silver and gold and other things and just going through religious exercises. They're profiting from the worship of God. So there's obviously a different God that's being followed. You know, Satan has that very same demand, and the nations are angry. You know, and the, the world follows money. I was just watching, and, and I saw this thing recently about bananas. It was this little video about bananas, and how the banana industry has really been responsible for a coup of government and assassinations there in Central America. I mean, they would literally bring in mercenaries to pull out leaders because they wanted their product to be profitable and they were losing money and competing. And I mean, it, was, it was pretty amazing. They, they're all after money. The nations are angry. They don't want accountability to God. They don't want the holiness. They don't want the peace of God. They want life under their own terms. And the return of a proper worship to God to a religious elitist, and if you want to live life your way, is going to evidence an anger. The Bible promises this same reaction. If you don't want what God wants, it's going to provide. You're going to, your countenance will fall. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 5, but into Cain and to his offering he had not respect. God had no respect for Cain's offering. Cain and Abel, right? Adam and Eve's sons. Cain would bring the vegetables, but he wouldn't do a, a, a blood offering. And, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. He was so angry. Angry at his brother, angry at the situation, angry that he wasn't pleasing to God. Well, you can't serve God your own way. God's given us. Remember John the Baptist. He would uh, go against, he was held in prison. And uh, Herodias... Herod held John in prison for Herodias' sake. He had his brother's wife that he was sleeping with. And John the Baptist condemned it. And this man's like, I want to do life my way. I don't want your rules. I don't want God's rules. I want to do life my way and what pleases me. And this whole idea of an elevation of the pleasures of man, really an elevation of self, it will breed anger. You know, even when Pilate would have Jesus Christ on trial and said, I find no fault in him, they were fierce. They wanted to get rid of Jesus. They wanted life their way. They wanted religion their way. And even the apostles, when they were preaching the word of God, and uh, in Acts chapter 5, verse 33, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart, took counsel to slay them. The people wanted to kill Peter. And those that were with him preaching the word of God, they wanted to kill him, and, and they did not like what, God, what they were saying in the witnesses for Christ. Would you look with me at 2 
Timothy chapter 3. I'm just, I'm getting there, I promise. I'm, I'm laying some uh, biblical foundation on some items here, but. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Verses 2 through 5 of 2 Timothy 3. For men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and holy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. The idol of self is seen in the amusement and the pleasure of me. And our world is becoming and is a lover of self, a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God. We are being conditioned and programmed to be angry. And all of its various means of being accessed. And when you think about the internet... Anger is a perfect means of controlling people. I can make this group angry at this group, and I can then thereby manipulate based upon anger. In fact, as I was watching this very film on the whole banana industry, one, this, the head of this one industry was so angry that the government wanted to impose taxes that he said, we've got to get rid of that ruler, and you're going to hurt our profits. And so he was angry, and he would foment uh, you know, all these sorts of mercenaries and people they'd hire to oust these leaders. There was an anger because there's a pleasure in self and money and an exaltation of oneself over really what's good, you know, for everyone. They didn't want unions, trade unions. Up, oh, we're going to get the, we're going to assassinate people, we're going to kill people. Understand this. That we and anger is a perfect means of controlling people. I in fact, I was I was actually looking at this uh, uh, Natalie Wolkover, why everyone on the internet is so angry on the on the article on the uh, magazine Scientific American. She writes in 2012 a perfect storm of factors comes together to engender the rudeness and aggression seen in the comment sections of web pages. Markham said, first commentators are often virtually anonymous and thus unaccountable for their rudeness. Second, they are at distance from the target of their anger, be it the article they're commenting on or another comment on that article. And people tend to antagonize distant abstractions more easily than living, breathing inter- inter- <laughs> interlocutors. Third, it is easier to be nasty in writing than in speech, hence the now somewhat outmoded practice of leaving angry notes back when people use paper, Markham said. The Bible exposition commentary said, like adolescent children, nations want to cast off all restraint, and God will permit them to do so. This belligerent attitude finally will cause the nations to unite to fight God at the great battle of Armageddon. And, and what I'm getting at here is we're in a day and age where anger is just increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. And then you go online and you find, you watch all this stuff, whether you agree with it or you disagree. I need to leave a comment. I got to do this. <sighs> and I spew out all this anger and I'm just like, bah, you know. And you're just like vomiting all these horrible things that you would never say to someone's face. But because you're at a distance over some electrical connections, now I think it's appropriate to vomit my heart all over this. And, our ang- and the nations are getting angrier and angrier and angrier. 
And anger without a cause, many times the problem is not what somebody has done, but the problem is with us. It's our own frustration. It's our own lack of peace with God. And that's a sin in our own lives. And by the way, nobody outwardly can control your emotions. You do that anger without a cause. No one wants to face anyone face to face. Writing letters and writing comments and all these sorts of things from a distance. We find, look with me at Psalm 2. The Bible has talked about this for a very, very long time. That humanity will rage against God. Psalm 2, verse 1. Our nation, why, do the, why are the nations angry? We have humanity now as ever increasing in its uncivility or lack of civility towards others. We're not getting kinder to the world. There's more and more harshness in this group and this group and this political party and this political party. And there's divisions everywhere. In Psalm 2, verse 1, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. And it's even becoming more unpopular to be a Christian. I mean, Christian truth, the word of God, is becoming less and less, you would say, popular or less and less even accepted. They don't want God. They're angry at truth. They're angry with God. But we understand this. We have our very being from God. Acts 17 tells us that. And then in Acts 17, verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man in whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. The nations, they're now thinking, I, can, I don't need God, I don't believe in God, and I can do life my way, and there will be no consequences. There is no God. There is no accountability. I don't care about my conscience. Uh, this, uh, I'm done with all that ancient belief in Christianity. That's an outmoded belief. I now have my perfect belief. But then when the day of reckoning comes and there's justice upon the world and life's falling apart, why do, what is it when someone says, I don't believe in God, and then all of a sudden some bad things happens in their, God, in their life, and they're like, well, why is God so mean to me? You didn't ever have a faith in God in the first place, and now you're angry at the God you said didn't even exist. The Bible tells us in all this anger, if you are against God, your conscience will bother you. 1 Samuel 15, 23, as God would tell Saul that he would no longer be king because he failed to kill all the Agagites, failed to kill the king. He only kept the best. 1 Samuel 15, 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. The world languishes in wickedness and rebellion and we even applaud and praise rebellion rebellion sells movies lots of movies lots of money that i'm rebelling against the establishment i'm rebelling against uh moral integrity i'm rebelling and rebelling and rebelling and we're going ever darker if you in the television series and things that i've seen ever so often that pop up i don't have television but as i've seen people talk about or in news clips or whatever life is just getting more and more and more it's getting darker as our world turns away from God. 
And people love their pleasures more than God. And the result is there's going to be more unsettledness, more anger. And one author said, I believe I'm not mistaken, saying that Christianity is a demanding and serious religion. What is delivered as easy and amusing is another kind of religion altogether. And this fact of all this, and so what happens is, as our world, the nations are angry. And we're angry at God. We're angry at rules. We're angry at truth. There's going to come a man that says, I'm going to fix that for you. The Antichrist. In fact, the conditions of our kingdom today is there's gross darkness and superstition. Because our world does not want God. You find all these religions. In fact, where Christianity used to prevail like there in Britain, what sensuality and temperance. And the world is all about my amusement and what I can get. It's not about, as you remember, the elders and the angels, they fall down and they worship Christ. Joy and peace and contentment and satisfaction. But if you want to do life your own way, under your own rules, apart from the Word of God, I'm telling you, life's going to be very difficult and you will be angry and frustrated. It's going to happen. In fact, it tells us about the Antichrist in Daniel chapter 8, verse 25. Would you look with me here? Verse 25, speaking of the Antichrist here in this passage of Scripture, and through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. He shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He, also, he shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And in this passage of Scripture, in the full context of what's going on here, here you have the Antichrist, and by peace he'll destroy many. And he, he makes a seven-year peace agreement with Israel. Halfway through, he breaks his peace agreement. He doesn't like Israel, but he uses peace to, to create more destruction. His, he's of Satan. And, and realize this, when we give ourselves into anger, we're giving place to Satan in our lives, and we're giving a foothold spiritually in our lives. For uh, Satan, as a Christian, you can't be possessed by uh, demons, but you can be oppressed. You can give ground to Satan in your life. And his anger abounds in transgression. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. That's the very, and and those, those consequences of anger in our world today, we don't find our world becoming a greater place. We find crime increasing. We find the mental health uh, uh, decreasing. We find all sorts of problems of our world as it lives in opposition and rebellion to God. And the world is looking for someone in their anger. You know what, it's like if you get on a, a platform that agrees with maybe your political position uh, or your news position or whatever the position it is, you're like, whew, I agree with that. Finally, a safe place that believes what I believe in. And you're, you know, someone to be a sounding board of like-mindedness. Revelation 13, 4. If you don't worship God, 
You're going to worship something else. So in Revelation 13, 4, and they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worship the beast saying, who is like unto the beast and who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue 42 months. And he would cause, and then Revelation 17, 4, notice with me here. The nations are angry and they're looking for a ruler because they don't want God. And the woman, 14, excuse me, not 4, uh, 14, Revelation 17, 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. He stands in opposition to God. The, the, the elders, the 24 elders, they fall down and worship at the greatness of Jesus Christ. The others rebel, and so they're going to try to find someone else to lead them and follow. Israel in the Old Testament, they didn't want the prophets to lead them anymore. They didn't want the judges. They wanted a king like the world. They didn't want God's ways. They wanted their own ways. And in this hatred, in this anger, there's a hatred against Israel, which anti-Semitism is growing. We also find something else in, in this anger is I need something to amuse me. I need something to gather. The pleasures of love, the lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. You know, it's not enough just to relish in a relationship with Jesus Christ. But what's happening is in all this amusement, in all of these things in our lives, we're beginning to put ourselves as slaves of pleasures and amusement rather than as servants of the great high God. And Israel in Revelation chapter 11, as we have talked about, Israel would, will be trying to build the third temple. To build a third temple, to go back to the, old Mo, the law of Moses, is to reject Jesus as the Messiah. And in all of these things that's going on, in fact, in Revelation chapter 11, verse 9, the people in Israel and around the world, they rejoice that the two witnesses were killed. I mean, they don't want anything to do with God. The Antichrist and false prophet will eventually be cast in the lake of fire. And what will happen? And the nations are angry. You see, when we're giving ourselves over into anger, I'm saying no to God being the leader. <laughs> I, In most, I would say almost all the instances, I'm saying no to to exalting Christ and thanking Christ. And we sang that in our song this morning about thanks to God for sorrows. Thanks to God for thorns, for roses. The beautiful roses, the painful thorns. And the nations were angry and their wrath has come in the time of the dead that they should be judged. The first part of this, in the seventh angel sounding the seventh trumpet, the judgments of the world, it only infuriates the nations more. And in this path, is what we find happening all throughout the scriptures, when greater judgment comes, what is God's desire in great judgment? God's desire is that there's repentance. God desires that there's a humility, that there's a contrition of heart, Wherein God, I say, God, I'm a sinner, please forgive me. You see, pressure of life, 
is to bring us to the point of a brokenness to God. I'd like you to look with me at Isaiah chapter 34. You know, even as amusement and other things have happened and video games and all these sorts of things, uh, there's a greater animosity towards others, especially if someone steps on my path of my pleasure. You're in the way of my pleasure. Get out of the way! You're on your phone. I can find that, you know, even in my own personal life. Sometimes if I'm on the phone and, and something happens and, and then I realize that there's a response that it shouldn't be there, I said, maybe I'm putting too much emphasis in the pleasure because it's changing my responses to others in a not a Christ-like way. In Isaiah chapter 34, verses 1 through 4, Come near, ye nations, to hear and hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them, he hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood, and all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down, as a leaf falleth off from the vine, as a falling fig from the fig tree, verses 8 through 10. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion, and the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night Uh, nor day, for the smoke thereof shall go up forever. From generation to generation shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. I mean, here's a a cause of God's judgment. The tribulation period is God's final plea with humanity. Please come to me. Please reject this world. Don't rebel. The harshness and the pain of this life all the affliction, all the natural calamities and all the earthquakes and everything else that will come in the tribulation period is to bring man to the place where he comes to God and says, I'm a sinner, would you forgive me and be saved during this period of time? But if if, if you refuse to repent, you're going to get angry. If you refuse God working on your life, And you want your pleasures more than God. You want your uh, lover of self more than a lover of God. You're going to live in a state of perpetual unsettledness. Now as as I bring this to a close, as we mentioned, as I mentioned last week and in review and bringing this also tying in with today, The nations are angry because they don't want Jesus to be exalted. They don't want accountability. They don't want justice the way that it ought to be. Perfect, pure justice. How do I find an earthly semblance of peace here? Isaiah 40, verse 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding and The fact is, I need to understand He is the Creator. He is the Judge. He is the one that is ultimately in control. Number two, Isaiah 43, 7. Even everyone that is called by my name have I created, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Number two, I need to understand I'm created for God's glory. 
I'm created to have a relationship with him. I'm created to bring praises and adoration to God. As I live out my life, it's to give God the praises and glory. And you know what? If, if, as my heart, these 24 elders, as they get down and they worship the Lord Jesus Christ, it, it just, it, it, it's an adoration of our heart, right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. You see, giving God adoration and reverence and respect and praises and thanks, this comes because our heart is right. God lays the foundation of order. I'd like you to look with me at Isaiah 51. Just a few more verses and I will be done. But as our nations and our world gets angrier and angrier because it's rejecting God, rejecting the truth of Jesus Christ, there will come someone that will try to pacify it under the terms of peace. But the terms of peace will only bring greater hurt and pain. Isaiah 51, 12. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die? Of the Son of Man which shall be made as grass, and forgettest the Lord thy Maker. That has stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and has feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? He's saying, listen, why are you forgetting God? God says, you need to remember me, the Lord your maker. Make the Lord your redeemer if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Isaiah 44, 24. Look with me here. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. I need to understand, again, an accountability to God, an accountability to Jesus Christ. This is what the nations don't want. This is what humanity, by and large, does not want. We're not any better than, I'm not saying Christians are better than, we're all humans, we're all fallen, we're all broken people. But I'm saying if we want to be right before God, then we're making Him our Redeemer, I'm making Jesus Christ. And look with me at Psalm 146, my last verse for this this morning, Psalm 146. You have in this, you have the same exact thing happening of Jesus Christ being exalted, taking control of the world as he will at the end of the tribulation period. One is great joy, singing and worshiping. The other is an increase, or is the anger of the world. Look at me at Psalm 146, 5 and 6. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. As we looked at there in Isaiah 44 and understanding the God made me from the womb, the Lord knows all about me. If I just come to the position of saying, you know what, I'm going to commit that I'm just going to praise God. I'm going to bring my praises, my petitions. We, I know we all have griefs, and, and so we bring those to the Lord, but I'm going to commit that I'm just going to make God first. I'm going to be, I want to be like those elders. I want to worship God and, and give Him what He so rightfully deserves. We can have joy in our lives. I don't need to live in anger. I don't need to live in frustration. We know what's going to happen to the world. 
as the scriptures tell us. But I don't need, the nations are angry. That doesn't need to be the Christian's disposition. Amy Carmichael, missionary to India, wrote, Blessed are the single-hearted, for they shall enjoy much peace. If you refuse to be hurried and pressed, if you stay your soul on God, nothing can keep you from the clearness of spirit, which is life and peace. In that stillness, you know what his will is. And so as I conclude this this morning, I didn't deal much with all of the rewards of the, the dead and such that will come, but we know from Scripture that those who do not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, there will be eternal death in the place the Bible calls hell. Unfortunately, God didn't create it for humans. He created it for the devil and his angels. And all those who reject Jesus Christ will face eternity there. And for Christians, we can have peace. We can have joy. But what you do with Jesus Christ, what you do in the praises of God, you either are praising him or you're not. And if we're not, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're irritated, we're agitated. Why not just make the choice that I'm just going to praise God in the thorns and the sorrows and the good times and the bad and watch God do great things in our lives for whatever God has planned for our lives as we walk in faith with him. So as I'm done, heaven's joy versus the world's anger. Would you persist in a position of the anger of this world or the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ? Wherever your heart is this morning as we come to the time of invitation with heads bowed and eyes closed, I would encourage you to maybe take some moments of silence and maybe you've been really angry and frustrated about how life is going. You might want to look in your heart and just say, Lord, am I giving you the thanks that you deserve? Can I thank you for these hard times? Can I thank you for the struggles I'm having? Because the world doesn't want God. They want their own pleasures. And they're frustrated and they're angry. Maybe this morning you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's never been a time in your life where you've called out to God to forgive you and be your glorious Savior. I trust this morning that you would ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, trusting that His death, burial, and resurrection on that cross paid for all your sins, and you can be gloriously saved this morning. God's got a plan. May each of us in our lives just simply say, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to worship Him. He so rightfully deserves it.